My name is Allison McClellan. I'm a medical student at the University of Central Florida College of Medicine. I've gotten to meet a lot of great physicians, and the interactions that I've had with these people have got me thinking, what is their life like? How did they choose their specialty? What kind of training did they have to have in order to get where they are today? What does their day-to-day life look like as an attending physician? What lessons do they have to share with me and with other medical students? So today I'm going to introduce you to one of these doctors. That way you can hear their answers to some of these questions and hear what they have to say. I'm, I'm Todd Moggins. I'm the chief of pediatric neurosurgery here at Nemours Children's Hospital. And I am a uh, primarily a clinical physician surgeon, seeing patients in clinic, operating on patients. But I also have a research interest in concussion and am presently conducting uh, some small projects uh, on that topic. Can you tell me a little bit more maybe about what your background is like, what your education was like to get you to this point? Well, I really had um, a love of uh, families and, and an attraction to family medicine when I entered medical school now nearly 30 years ago. But I, I quickly discovered that I also had a love for the neurosciences and specifically had a good mentor in a pediatric neurosurgeon. And so over the course of my career, I've actually been able to pursue both of those routes. I pursued a career as a family doctor uh, to stay true to my original intent and enjoyed that greatly, but could never really get the neurosurgery bug to go away. So ultimately went back to finish training to, to retrain as a pediatric neurosurgeon and have been doing that ever since. But I think that's really shaped who I am and, and how I approach clinical medicine from the standpoint that I believe I still approach it like a family doctor. I'm very interested in the story behind the patient and the story behind the family and to keep them engaged in in that whole that whole care experience. For some in pediatric neurosurgery that care experience is very short, for many though it's very long, much like it is in family medicine. I get to know the patient and their family over a long period of time because a lot of what we take care of are are problems that are are very chronic for children. So if there is such a thing as a normal day for you, what would that look like? What kind of patients would you see or what would your schedule look like? Well, we kind of parcel the days up and into times in clinic and times in the operating room. And some days, um, not that infrequently, in fact, there's a little bit of both. when We have to add emergency cases in to the end of a, a, a clinic day. But clinic uh, typically, for me, needs to be comfortable pace. I need to have enough time, again, to be able to engage the, the patient and the family well. Um, I'm not going to rush through things. So I've really been able to structure my schedule so that I, I really have the time that I've learned that I need to, to be able to, to uh, work with the family through, through an issue or problems, through an evaluation. The, the kinds of problems that I see in my clinic can vary from concussion, which is a common one, especially with my interest, but also because it's such a common uh, minor brain Brain, brain injury uh, that a lot of children end up incurring, unfortunately. And I may see a relative newborn with a, a misshapen skull secondary to abnormal growth in the skull, a process called craniosynostosis, or a more common variation on abnormal head shape, which is called plagiocephaly, where a child's head becomes flat because they're laying on it since the advent of the back-to-sleep program and the need to keep children safe, uh, prevent them from dying of SIDS. Unfortunately, one of the downsides of that is a lot of children prefer to 
lie on one side of their head and, and their head will flatten out. And so I help that family evaluate that, figure out strategies for improving that, and sometimes prescribing a helmet for that. But thankfully for, for the children, that's not typically a surgical problem. But I also see kids with spina bifida and with a condition called hydrocephalus, which is a buildup of water on the brain that frequently requires a neurosurgical intervention, frequently many neurosurgical interventions over the course of a, of a lifetime with that condition. I'll see children with birth defects uh, of the, the spinal cord. I'll see children who are coming in for follow-up for, for their brain tumors that I've operated on. So I see quite a variety of things. Thankfully, a lot of what I see turns out to be consultations for what a primary care physician may perceive as a problem like a spot on an MRI scan that's done for headaches. And I can reassure the family that that spot really is, is nothing to be concerned about. And where that's frustrating for a lot of surgeons because it doesn't bring them surgery, for me it's gratifying because I like to in engage with patients and families and I like to be able to provide them with good news rather than just tell them that they need to go off to the operating room for you know a big neurosurgical procedure. So, so I, I really enjoy that. I enjoy playing with the kids. Uh, again, to find the right way to have them not do the things I don't want them to do, like babies crying and little children being uh, holy terrors in the room. I think I've, I've developed a lot of strategies for how to engage children of all age and, and have, have a positive experience uh, in the exam room for me and for them and for, their, for their, their parents. Do you have children of your own? I do. I have one, a 15-year-old daughter. I guess one of my regrets, so to speak, is that I've not been able to spend as much time with her because of my dedication to my practice. And I think that's a common theme with any dedicated physician. It's, it's part of our professional um, regret uh, is that we, we, in the sake of taking care of others' children, sometimes we neglect ours. And I'm not sure that I neglect my daughter, but uh, I'm envious of my wife who's been able to experience so much more of Ayla's life with her than I've been able to. Did any way that you treat patients change after your daughter was born? I know that for some physicians, when they have their own child, it kind of changes how they understand what parents are going through. Did you notice anything like that? Sure. The concept of having a child is abstract until you have one. And then you you realize all the trials and the tribulations, all the um, uh, hard work that it requires to, to nurture and, and, and raise a child, even a child who is seemingly perfect. We had some challenges with our daughter in the beginning in terms of being colicky, and luckily we've not had any health issues with her. But certainly, you know, you learn to understand that having a child is a tremendous commitment, and um, there's there's going to be a lot of responsibility. And the complexity of that responsibility, you don't understand until you're actually engaged in it. The other thing, too, is by having a child and watching them grow up, you understand child development better. And so I think being a parent who played with my daughter made me a better physician who would learn better strategies to play with, you know, others, other children. So yeah, I think I think it's been incredibly important to me to have my own kid. So you mentioned that you do research in concussions. Can you maybe tell me a little bit more about that and then maybe, you know, why you got into it in the first place? Even when I was a family doctor, I was interested in concussion because uh, it's such a common problem. And and uh, I had many when I was a kid um, playing sports and some recreationally and some from accidents at home. Uh, and I kind of remember that the injury was very trivialized and yet 
certainly when I experienced concussions, it wasn't a trivial experience. So as, as this whole topic of concussion kind of exploded, I had already had a lot of clinical interest in it. And pretty much everywhere I've been in my primary care practices and in my neurosurgical practices, I've always um, seen a lot of concussion patients. But I also began to understand that we don't under really understand what's going on in the brains as, uh, of children with concussion and that children aren't little adults. So even though a lot of investigations have been done in terms of what happens in the brain to young adults primarily, we really don't have a full understanding of how concussion may be the same or different in, in younger children. So I conducted a research project project where I kind of explored uh, and looked for some of the injuries that were happening in adults uh, and focused on a couple other things that I thought may potentially be going on in children and, and really discovered that at least in the small group of younger children that I study, concussion was something different and it was more of just a, an, an alteration in the brain functioning uh, rather than major structural damage to the brain, which is encouraging because I'm glad I didn't find that it created major structural damage in the brain. I was also encouraged that the physiologic changes like reduction of blood flow to the brain is potentially something that we can do something about. So I've continued to explore uh, this whole notion of blood flow to the brain since I've been here at Nemours and I'm about to embark on a research project where I hope to make an intervention for the reduced blood flow that happens in kids' brains. And it's it's uh, pretty cool because it's something that is, uh, I think, acceptable to a lot of people, especially children. It involves chocolate. You mentioned something earlier. Uh, you mentioned that you were really interested in, you know, a patient's story. What does that mean for you? Uh, it's a very personal thing, uh, and it's one of the tremendous privileges of being a physician, is when you have people kind of open up their lives to you, their hearts to you, express their fears and their anxieties and their ultimate wishes and desires. And that happens. It happens when you give families the opportunity to do that. You know, when I was a family doctor and I was treating kids for ear infections, that typically wasn't necessarily the kind of deep patient stories that neurosurgery frequently brings where somebody that has a brain tumor and potentially will die from that, the gravity to that situation lends itself, you know, more readily towards storytelling and story sharing. I mean, patients themselves and, and family members, all, when given the opportunity, want to put that into the context of their life. I mean, what's what's this mean for me? What, what am I going to be doing tomorrow with my kid? What am I going to be doing next week with my kid? What? And so the story, story um, is different from patient to patient, and it, it evolves differently for the patients that I've cared for, but it's been truly an amazing thing to hear uh, some of those stories.